This is an FOU Studios podcast. citizens of the galaxy welcome to gxp the geek experience podcast it's time to level up today with your daily dose of gxp as always i'm the host peter the geek with me today we have the soup man stephen campbell <laughs> god we're dorks so we have worldwide blonde tori smith and she who must not be nicknamed molly thomas bleep bloop Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, today is uh, a, a special podcast. I'm being very selfish, and I'm the special guest today because it's my birthday on Saturday. Ooh, We're very excited. So I'm excited, yeah. Um, but we brought Molly on because um, she is a huge Star Wars geek, just like I am. Yes. Um, she, we were just uh, chatting before the show started. She is the C-3PO to my R2-D2. Yeah. Um, she does a lot of work with an organization called Vixens On Guard. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit about that because it is such an uh, awesome organization really quickly. Oh, it's fun. We are an all-female sword fighting and Shakespeare team that performs on the Renaissance Fair circuit around the country. So we do 25-minute parodied versions of Shakespeare plays where we play the men and we bring guys up on stage to play Juliet and Ophelia and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a great time. We've been around now for, well, this will be our ninth season. Um, and I'm actually leaving New York at the end of August to go down to Maryland to the Maryland Renaissance Fair to be down there for their entire run. Um, winning hearts and minds and, you know, changing the world one day at a time. But it's it's an absolute blast, and it's fun to get to, like, I don't know, be be a girl and be feminine on stage and doing badass stuff and yeah. not have anyone really question that. It's yeah. a really good time. Yeah. I have, mean, have lightsabers ever figured in? Oh, hell the yes. You should see our <laughs> Hamlet sometime. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when, when you're not... trying to keep it on theme, so... <laughs> well, no, of course, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, when um, when you're not kicking names and taking ass... Um, you're... That works, too. <laughs> not wrong. No, Gum I mean, and chew, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're doing other... You're, like, you work around this. So you're, you're a working actress, and you do a lot of Shakespeare. Uh, yes, correct? I do. Awesome. Um, I actually, this past spring, I finished a run of Medea playing Queen Creon, which was fun. It was uh, somewhat nice. gender-swapped. Um, and then I was in Titan Theater Company's production of Much Ado About Nothing this spring playing Beatrice, which mm. was a dream come true. Um, and actually, I'm coming up for the first two weeks of August. I'm doing another run here in the city uh, at, with a company called Rude Grooms, um, another production of Much Ado About Nothing, in which I will again be playing Beatrice. So it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's almost like you're born to play Beatrice. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, um, uh, I think it is just about time for us to geek out. All right. Today, we're going to talk about Star Wars because I fucking love Star Wars. <laughs> And it's my birthday, so we're going to talk about it. Um, just by point, I didn't ask you guys before we started, who here has seen Solo, A Star Wars Story? I oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. It's good. I know. It's very I know. good. Surprisingly I'm, so. I am, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I that's was, the thing. I'm yeah. a snob. I'm a snob. And so I kept watching it going, oh, the only thing that would get me in that theater is Daniel Glover. 
which is not a problem. Donald but Glover. Donald Glover, yes, it's okay, it's fine. But <laughs> listen, I look at that man and words disappear. I yeah, no, so. and uh, it's I don't blame you, and that's th- that's actually one of the reasons I'm really happy you could make it today is because like it's there are so many people that looked at look at this movie and it's like that's not what I didn't want to see that I didn't want to see this movie. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> like I, it was coming out and I was like nobody wants to see. It. Somebody other than Harrison Ford to try to pick up this mantle. Well, it's a story that none of us really needed to be told. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, no, he's the mysterious guy who just shows up, just like swaves his way into the cantina, mm-hmm. and that's all you need to know about it. <laughs> right. And but I have to say, it's so fun. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's because I went in like not not expecting it to be good that I loved it so much. Yeah. That's fair. I had super low expectations, and mm-hmm. it, it met and exceeded those. And, yeah. But, like, I also feel like Disney didn't want people to see it. I feel like it right? wasn't marketed super well. We didn't get a trailer until maybe a couple months. Yeah, it's true. That was before late. Before it happened. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, is this movie still happening? I don't know. It was a funky situation, but yeah. I thought it was really good. And, unfortunately, since people didn't go see it, we might not get that Obi-Wan movie, which sucks. I know. Yeah. I, there's been a lot of lot of talk about it, and, I mean, as one might expect, I'm on a lot of Star Wars Facebook groups. (laughs) (laughs) What? You know. Me never. Um, And from everything I have heard, the Obi-Wan movie is still green lit. But the one that was like, the the movie that I heard was like legitimately canceled was uh, Moss Eisley, A Star Wars Story. Oh. Um, mm. And I'm kind of glad about that. Yeah, I didn't even know that was potentially happening. Yeah, it was a project that they were going to do. Um, it's. I th- want it to be a docudrama. I know, right? I want it to be. I want it. No, I, it's. I want it to be like almost a Pulp Fictiony kind of thing. Yeah. Where we're in the cantina and we see like, like we see the the people holding the cantina up, and then we like go back and we like see all these other cantina people coming in, but like it always comes back to the same moment where that like it's yeah. Oh, oh, and it would also be really fun for those of us who have read way too many of the books, right. like the EU stuff, where it's like, oh, how many random characters can we bring in that no yeah. one who's affiliated with like the main Disney stuff would actually know or care about? See, yeah. I would want it to be a TV show, but like a. Cheap Cheers reboot. That would be so good. <laughs> yes. For some reason, I just got it in my head. I want, uh, I want Moss Eisley written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Terry Gilliam. Oh my god! <laughs> like, yes. just what, what would they do with Star Wars? You know? Like, oh my god! Just, uh, I think that would be a really interesting movie. We would have to get John Cleese as narration. Oh, yes. oh, oh, yes. Obviously. <laughs> no, now I'm just seeing. I know. And now I really want this. Th- I know. It's not, but I really want to see this happen. <laughs> now. It's like um, uh, with the new novels that have come out. Um, I've read uh, many of them, not all of them yet, but many of them. And there was one that came out that I'm not going to read because it's Canto Bite is the title of the book. And if you don't know off the top of your head, Canto Bite is the place they went to in episode eight where mm-hmm. everybody was upset with the plot line because it just felt like a where all the, the big eared horse dogs. I was going to say it was a focus on space kangaroos. Yeah, yeah. The, the Fabiers, as they're called. Like, it's. Sure. I, mean, I, I, say, <laughs> I, I say that more like because, like, I, 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 nobody gave a shit about them. No, no, no. one did. Well, it, it's like. Okay, you already had the cute creatures. Like, everyone loves the porgs. The porgs are the greatest thing to ever exist, all right? You don't need whatever these, like, kangaroo Dog horse that crawl up walls. Yeah, at some point, it was when... You, Peter, you and I went and saw it, mm-hmm. where I turned to you and I was like, why are we in Narnia? Like, that's what it felt <laughs> like, where they're like bounding along on these space kangaroos. And it's like, I thought this was like a 
mm-hmm. fight war movie a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. We went through the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was weird. And I have a theory that it's because of the like the CGI that they didn't that they didn't cut that like any many more because oh. there were moments that were cut that were friggin' awesome like the extended. Uh, Finn Captain Phasma scene is so great and it adds so much depth to Captain Phasma's character but they cut it whereas they could have cut a little bit of that horse running through the town yeah you're right it felt like it was in a different movie yes (sighs) now breaking it down in in the ring theory of Star Wars it (laughs) makes sense that we went to Canto Bight like it was a subplot that needed to happen thematically for Star Wars because it's the same as Cloud City and it's the same as Camino. Like it's the um. kind of ostentatious, kind of out there with wealth. We don't necessarily know how the wealth got there. We have a, a kind of a reason for it, not really. There's gambling, there's war profiteering. Like it's all all of the seeds of all of that were from Camino to Bespin and now with Canto Bite. I get it. Thematically, it was, you know, it needed to happen in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Except except nothing major happened there. Which which was my problem with it. The, the, they, they found the coder, but like, the, I don't know. I did, like, I, I'm upset with how they found the coder. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that I, To me, that whole movie shouldn't have happened if people had just talked to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it was like that moment in a rom-com where the girl catches the guy talking to a girl and he's like, but wait, it's not what it looks like. And if they had just talked to each other, then the rest of the movie wouldn't have occurred. Same with Star Wars. I don't know. It it was unfortunate. Communication, you guys, it's really important. Communication (laughs) is very important. Sure is. Yeah, I mean, Mm. it's... it's, But, you know, without communication, we wouldn't have amazing dramas or comedies. Yeah. Anyway, um, I know that there's, uh, like, uh, I, I mentioned this briefly in um, our um, summer movie breakdown, but, like, the Star Wars community has gotten this huge schism recently with the dark side and, the, like, literally the dark side and the light side of the mm-hmm. Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really, really sad to, to see. And I'm, I'm always really glad when I surround myself with, pe- with people that, you know, are not assholes about everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone said recently on like Tumblr or something that no one hates Star Wars like a Star Wars fan. I know. And that just, that hurt my heart so much. Because I was like, no, God, I've been reading those books since I was a little kid. You know, I, know. I used to, because geeks weren't cool then, mm-hmm. I used to like wrap them in like the, the uh, paper bag covers mm-hmm. so that nobody oh. knew what I was reading. Yeah. Um, but it's become this like toxic atmosphere now. And yeah. it's such a fun thing. And it I is. mean, Star Wars is hokey and ridiculous and that's part of the love. <laughs> I mean, like, it's called Star Wars. Like, yeah. What are we expecting from this? This is not necessarily high art, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's um, it's sort of the 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 same kids growing up that like wouldn't share their Legos or their Star Wars action figures or whatever. Yeah. Didn't want to play with you. They didn't want to share that. They are the the fans now that grew up with the series that feel like they have ownership over the series. Yeah. They don't want to share the fandom. And yeah. so like if things don't work out exactly the way they think it should because of course they know best, mm-hmm. then it you know, it's not Star Wars. It, you know, yeah. it, it just completely ruins the experience for them instead of them being open to sharing this dialogue and opening up new possibilities for this mm-hmm. thing that we all love. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, interesting you bring that up because I literally like thought about that um, on my way walking over here was how personal Star Wars is to so many people. Mm-hmm. But it, it's completely uniquely personal to so many people. Like, Molly has read a, a different set of the EU novels than I have. Like, I read a lot of the Jedi Apprentice stuff when, you know, episode one came out, like, with the Obi-Wan-Qui-Gon relationship. I read, um, like, the Rogue Squadron book. 
books. I, I didn't. I actually hadn't read the Thrawn trilogy oh. for a long time, and that's a big part of yeah. your experience. Like, yeah. So, like, my my intimate personal relationship with Star Wars is very much so like the the piloting and the like the high action Jedi kind of stuff. And I know that, that it varies. It varies from yours, just from the different books we've read. Yeah, I mean, for me, I first read the Thrawn trilogy when I was God, what, fourteen? <laughs> and um, because I'm also a little bit older than you, yeah. and so for me, the prequels came out when I was already in high school, practically. Yeah. And so my experience of them was rather, you know, I was past any kind of childlike sensibility of them. I was watching them from somebody who knew a lot about Star Wars already, um, and reading the Thrawn trilogy at around fourteen. I mean. That was my first introduction to a villain that is so that, that you kind of root for. Like Thrawn is he is the villain in the story, but God, he's good. Mm. Oh God, he's good. And he's so smart and everything, like the fact that he uses artwork to understand how the species work that he's about to fight against. Like, and he designs battle attacks or battle plans about that was revolutionary to me that you could have a villain who was so intelligent. And it's not like I based my life around that, but at least, <laughs> but it, it gave me a sense of the kind of three-dimensional quality that people can have. Yeah. And so Star Wars for me was more an exploration of humanity than, you know, shoot 'em ups or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I mean, just for, just bringing it back, Thrawn is. If you ha if, have you read any of the Thrawn books, Stephen? I have actually read zero. Star Wars books. I, I am non-versed oh. in the EU whatsoever. I am strictly movie. Yeah. Um, and you and, know, and some ancillary products like video games. I've sure. played Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Lego Star Wars, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I had Star Wars Legos. That was my big thing growing up. So, um, like, playtime for me was taking these Lego sets with my friends and, like, you know, making a game up around them. It's yeah. like, oh, you have the X-Wing, so it can move, like, this many spaces. And, you know, <laughs> like, we use this and we would mix and match. And, um, like, Star Wars, for me, has lived more in my own imagination than in, like, the shared fandom of the extended universe. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but again, it's like it's so again, it's so completely uniquely personal. Mm -hmm. It sucks that it, it, it's it, the people that are being so toxic about it. It's like, yeah, you have your own experience and your own opinion about it, and that's totally fine and legitimate. The movie might not be what you expected, but it was not the worst movie that's come out in, by a long oh, shot. No, <laughs> I mean, I I did not like the Last Jedi when I saw it the first time. I I had. I had opinions when I walked out <laughs> of that theater, but I saw it a second time, and this one I saw it with you, yeah. and both of us walked out going, yeah, okay, okay, and it might have been because I now knew what the story was, and so I could just sort of sit back and take it in and be like, cool, I know what these choices are, and because they made those choices, let's just see what ride this is. Like, mm -hmm. let's get back on the roller coaster now that we know what all the curves and twists are. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I still think that there that you can. In my opinion, I mean, I get really uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny with up uh, in the <laughs> no. mailroom. I get very much so like that about Disney. So I'm going to try to keep yes, that. <laughs> I'm going to get. I'm going to try to keep that crazy out of this conversation. But in my opinion, it's very obvious. You can see the writing choices of Ryan Johnson versus the committee written choices of the Disney board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very stark. And mm -hmm. that, in my opinion, is where the Faviers came from. In my opinion, that's where Space Angel 
Angel Superman Leia came from. Oh my god, oh my the flying god. nun, Leia the flying nun. It's just oh. like, <laughs> it, it, like you can see it, oh. and it's like, oh, just, you want you want to shake some. Like again, I'm this is I might be wrong. But they're never going to tell us if I'm right or not, so it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But like that—that's what it appears to me. You just want to shake him and be like, "I, you, no, like th- those were bad choices." I know that te- you do test ver- versions of these movies, but you guys, you know that the major populace is stupid. So mm-hmm. you've got to just start sticking with artistic integrity, which mm-hmm. is what you can see Ryan Johnson was doing with so much of what that work was. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned it before, and I try, I'm trying to not dominate the conversation with the ring theory because it's, it, it, I could talk for four hours <laughs> about just the ring theory. Um, but the, the short of it is um, it's writing in the same pattern as like, uh, I can't think of the, the term now, but it's, you know, the phrase, think not what you can do, uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. idea of taking themes and reversing them and revisiting them in different ways. Um, and the easiest way to look at it again is episode two, episode five and episode eight now. Um, you can see the seeds through all of those movies of the writing and the similarities and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Episode two, because it's George Lucas, you can see the revisiting of the themes in different ways much better than a slightly more like uh, tongue-in-cheek way that it was done in episode eight, but it's still revisiting the same themes and same ideas, and you can see, like again, the walkers at the very end um, it, like in episode two, it's the good guys with these walkers going against the bad guys who are trying to escape. In episode yeah. five, it's the bad guys chasing the good guys and these big walkers who are trying to escape. And in this one, it's the bad guys again chasing the good guys who are trying to escape. Like it's it's with a, walkers with walkers. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a motif, and I'm not upset about it. But I was I was honestly kind of hoping that we would flip back to the good guys with walkers just because you know thematically and. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes. but he did so much good stuff with this movie, and it was just sad mm-hmm. that like there were some marring marring weird choices. Yeah. But let's be real: the Hall Maneuver was amazing. It was, it was oh god, yeah. especially because like for the first time, it feels like in the entire Star Wars canon, they acknowledged physics and the fact that stuff yeah. that happens <laughs> in space is silent. Yeah, and that moment of the whole like here feeling the whole theater like start to applaud and then go completely dead silent because nothing was happening on like all of that was happening on screen and yet nothing was. Yeah. Oh, it was just chills. One of the most electric, jarring moments I've ever experienced yeah. in a cinema is yeah. such a such a beautiful terrible thing you know like and addressing something that like i know that i've sort of thought about nebulously in the back of my head where it's like what if someone's in your way when you're trying to go to light speed yeah (laughs) it's funny because um uh william keen who's uh one of the face-off guys he brought up he was like why not just have like make it a type of bomb like have them go hyperspace into ships like kamikaze style and then the movie came out and he was like this is what i've been saying (laughs) um uh, i had i was having a conversation with um uh, he was on the show zach woods um uh, about this and writing and everything like that and like breaking down because when i watched the movies it always felt like world war one and world war two for Mm -hmm. uh, the prequels and the sequels or Mm -hmm. the, the originals and now we hit these, and like we were, we were breaking it down again, and I was like, but like, uh, and as we were revisiting it, it's like we discovered a new weapon of mass destruction. Like, this was the atomic bomb drop. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not that people hadn't ever thought of it before, it's that this is the first time we've done it in a major war situation. So, Ooh. and so we started to break it down, and it suddenly, during this conversation is when it hit me, it's the American Civil War for the prequel trilogy. World War One and then World War Two, because 
Mm. The it, it, it's ridiculous, but the first order's rebirth from the ashes is a huge mirror to Germany's oh, yeah. rise after yeah. the fall in World War One. Yeah, like, that's true. Even even more fanatical than yeah. the than yeah. the previous factions that existed before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like a world power that wasn't expecting it, getting it like the the attack on the Hosnian system. While I still am not a huge fan of like big new super weapon, pipluey, big solar system gone. It's the <laughs> it's it's the same idea as like all of the the blitzing and all of the the seizing that was being done during the uh, first part of World War Two. Like mm-hmm. it's following that story arc, and that's one of the reasons I it, like people were like, well, why, it's so stupid. Why have the big plot holes? We're like, no, it's not. We made a discovery in this movie. Like, this was a huge war crime that was committed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a war crime, guys. That's why people don't do it. This is a huge thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I obviously get very passionate about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Writing-wise, I just I think they did so good. I thought they did so good with that moment. So. Yeah, no kidding. I also like the development of, of the baddies, as it were, yeah. um, as far as, you know, you get sort of the, like the old guard like Tarkin. And what that feels like, mm-hmm. that very regimented, very drilled sort of sense of, of contemplated evil, I mm-hmm. guess. And mm-hmm. then you pit that against General Hux, who yeah. is just a spitfire. Like, he, he is drilled and regimented to the point that you don't know if that man ever sleeps. Yeah. And, and that, unfortunately, is more recognizable today as, as tempers rise and shift and as mm-hmm. our attention span shortens also. Um, seeing how people adjust and and what catches their attention and how militant people get at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So it's been really terrifying and fascinating to see that shift over the course of all of the different movies. Yeah. And you know, uh, bringing up General Hux, I have such a such a, a painful uh, painful sorrow over the character that he could have been. I know I've talked to you about this mm-hmm. about like he was pitted like he was almost going to be the next Tarkin that we would see through the things, but he was relegated to comic relief. Yeah. But there are still see- like it's I'm I'm hopeful that episode nine with JJ again. You're yes. about to say something. Yeah. Yes, I, I think you and I might have had a discussion about this as well. And that um, in in episode seven, we see we're introduced to General Hux and he just is, you know, General Tarkin on coke, you know, uh-huh. and basically. It, like, yeah, yeah. he's he's a mad dog. He's full of fervor. He, he gives that crazy impassioned speech and like he's truly terrifying Mm -hmm. and then in episode eight we we see him kind of turn more wheedling um you know he's he's the punchline he's the butt of a lot of jokes um but i think essentially what ryan johnson is setting up is he's having the set for the spike in episode nine where he is going to uh he's going to reach his breaking point Mm-hmm. And he's going to turn his full fury onto Kylo Ren, oh. uh, and we're going to see see him as a terrifying, forceful power. What he is, what was essentially planted in Episode Seven, uh, so that it can kind of his arc is to be, you know, knocked around by these dark, you know, powerful dark force users, and then uh, to rise above that and be the true, true villain yeah. of this arc. You know, mm. oh, I would watch the hell out of that, right? Especially because, like, it, it, you know, Kylo Ren has so much of what he says to Ray about basically, like, break the rules, fuck the rules, like, it doesn't matter. And Hux is starting to represent what the rules are, mm-hmm. and so seeing that kind of, oh, I, I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the um, it, talking about war crimes, mm-hmm. uh, the the resistance has just broken the rules of engagement. 
Yeah. You know, they yeah. dropped the super weapon and yeah. he has to deal with the fallout of that. And so he is going to respond. He's going to crack down even harder, oh, I think. Yeah. And that his character arc is is really going to culminate into something menacing. Mm. Uh, at least I really hope it does. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, do. I mean yeah. I, it would be great to like if we like see like yeah see that mental breaking point and like with the well they they literally th- flew a ship into ours and like yeah yeah it, it, uh, I also wonder if there's going to like if we're going to see the first order split like mm. if like we see like Kylo Ren and Hux like have almost like uh, their own divisions of the first order i don't know if it's gonna happen or not but i hope so and i also think it would be great to have like the the big bad the big super villain mm-hmm. not have any force abilities because yeah we haven't yeah. really seen that in a, one of the major like main storyline yeah. films. not yeah, in a long time we really haven't yeah i mean unless you count well uh, i'm thinking about tarkin because like Tarkin had no force yeah. ability, but man, I mean, he's one of my absolute favorite characters in the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, especially with um, Peter Cushing playing him, and not the CGI crap. <laughs> um, I had the video feelings. game cutscene. I, I, yeah. I had feelings about that. I was so mad. They didn't even need to do the CGI. It could have been accomplished so easily. But anyway, um, because he's so formidable. <laughs> And the the fact that even in in episode four, you know, Leia says, "I thought I'd find you holding Vader's leash." Like Tarkin's the brains of the operation, yeah, and Vader's more the muscle. And so it's I would love for there to be another bad guy, like the big baddie who is more like Tarkin, who's just Mm -hmm. really intelligent and a really really good, you know, uh, battle organizer. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's um, I during episode seven I described it this way, and somebody disagreed, but I, I stand by it. The, the lightsaber fight of Kylo Ren versus Rey was almost like uh, kids fighting, like kids mm-hmm. swinging around weapons. They, they knew, like, Rey knew nothing about. Kylo had some training, but, like, not really that, like, for, even from still watching and not even that much great, like, formal training. Like, he studied with Luke for a while, but then he was, then he was taken by Snoke, and it's, it's like, it's, it's a fractured training. Like, he learned something completely different at that point. And uh, you can see, like the it's it feels like kids, like tr- f- like fervorously trying to be in control over something that like they truly don't truly understand what they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I've seen it before, and I think it's like they, it's like it's kind of like saying to the fans, like calm the fuck down, like this is what you guys are like. You're squabbling <laughs> over nothing. Yeah. Like Hux, like Hux and uh, Kylo Ren. Every time they squabble, it's like. It's literally the antithesis of Vader and Tarkin. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a great relationship that they cultivated. But yeah, I mean, well, I I would watch hours of Hux and Kylo Ren bickering. Yeah, I would because Do it's you hysterical. Follow them on Twitter because that's exactly no, but what I should. <laughs> there's like an I'm angsty gonna. Kylo Ren account who's like, my dad. Oh hates yeah. Me. Yes, I love and that then, one. And then there's a, a General Hux account where it's like Kylo Ren made fun of me today. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> also, um, to continue on with this uh, Kylo Ren and uh, Hux thing, uh, spinning it back, introducing Snoke in Episode Eight. There's that great scene where Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren about keeping a mad dog on a leash. Yeah. And yeah. throughout the movie, it's proven to us that Kylo Ren is the mad dog. Like Hux is full of fury and fervor, and you know he's uh, he seems like he's not in control, but as you mentioned, he's strictly regimented. Uh, Whereas Kylo Ren is irascible and unpredictable and completely ruled by his emotions. You know, Fickle does anything at the drop of a hat. You're unbalanced. And so I think, really, when uh, 
Snoke is using Kylo Ren's pride against him as his leash, you know, saying like, oh, keep the mad dog on a leash talking about Hux, but really he means Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and he's just tricking him, you know, master of manipulation. Well, I, uh... And uh, Huck, we're going to see Hux be the intelligent, regimented, planned, you know, guy that he is. Yeah. Mm, I hope so. I, I, I'm sorry, that just made me think of that scene. Like, I, I had never, like... The, the writing in those two scenes where like Kylo Ren comes into Snoke, it's like it is straight up like mental abuse writing. Yeah. Oh, of, like yeah. tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down, and then at the last moment, right, bring up, bring up. Like it's it like oh, we haven't seen Such that. Such a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it is. But like it, it's like it was so cool to see that in the Star Wars movie because so much of it is like it, it's you know space space opera. But you know, like it was such a real, like real psychological moment mm-hmm. for me when I when I when I realized what was happening. I don't know, but no, yeah, 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 yeah. I do wish they'd done more with Snoke. Yeah, Darth Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that. The funny part is. Oh, that's sticking. <laughs> the funny part is that's not like far fetched from a Star Wars bad guy name. No, it's not. It's not. We have Savage Opress for Christ's sake. Darth, <laughs> Darth Maul. Darth Sidious. Yep. Like, come on. Oh my God. <laughs> Cad Bane. Like, ah. Uh, mm. anyway. That's that's fabulous. But uh, yeah, I mean, I realize it was like the subversive thing, you know, yeah. to like kill off Snoke before he got to do anything. But like, honestly, I was pretty disappointed because I was like, that. That's it. That's that's all we get. Yeah. Really? Come yeah. on. Like, I want. I wanted to know more about him. Yeah. Yeah. Or and if he felt... is Darth Plagueis, maybe he's not gone yet. Mm. I mean, according to the rules, according to the rules of Game of Thrones, we did see him die. Yeah. On so screen. like, he may actually be dead. But we saw Jon Snow die. Yeah. Okay. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen here. <laughs> but I guess that would mean that we would have to see him be brought back. Right. Yes. They ain't yes. no Lord of Light in Star Wars, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rotate my microphone so I face Steven a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit of a fucking throwdown right now. <laughs> now, I know you know nothing of the Dagoyan masters or anything like that. I know that you only know about the celestial side of the force and nothing of the living force or anything like that. I know that the name Bandu means nothing to you, mm. but honey, it's a way. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I I will laugh too. I know what we're talking about. Never change, either of you. <laughs> you know nothing, Mr. Suitman. Oh, God. Anyway, now that that nerd throwdown just happened. <laughs> um, really exciting news. They're bringing back Star Wars Clone Wars. They are, I know, yes. I'm so oh, excited. Yes. Oh, excited. And did you guys see the trailer for it? No, no. I didn't watch it. <laughs> It's, don't tell me about it. I won't it. tell you about it. I won't tell you about it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, will the can I watch the trailer not being caught up on Rebels? Yes. Okay. Cool. You can. Great. Because it oh my god, the trailer the, the <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't have words. I don't have words. Like I it, I almost started tearing up and like I don't cry during movies for the most part. And like I almost started crying when I watched this Aww. trailer. Like Oh my god. Oh, to the listeners. Exciting. Watch the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Basically like oh my god. I I but the, I, I mean, I know that you, 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 have you seen much of Clone Wars? I know that you said that you... Uh, the new one? No. I, I watched the OG Clone Wars, like the, Samurai Jack the style. Samurai Jack style. Yeah. 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 Um, those were 
awesome. They were uh, so kick ass. But I um, have I have yeah. seen Clone Wars, just not um the Rebel. Just not Rebels. Yeah. Just okay. Not yeah, Rebels. yeah. And I know I know that you and I have watched. A lot yes, of them. and I I've seen all of Clone Wars, and I've seen season one of Rebels. Okay. Yeah. I just I just wanted to know where we all were. Um. So I guess all of Clone Wars isn't gonna be a big. Uh, I'm, I'm losing words right now. But um, I it's one of the things that I love about Clone Wars so much is how much they go into the life of the clones. Yeah. yeah. And like the, they do so much great personification with them. And like, it's, I've said this to Molly so many times, but um, uh, the Darkness on Umbara series, uh, starting with Darkness on Umbara, going through Carnage of Krell, I think is the last one. Mm-hmm. Like, those four episodes are like four of the best non like non saga Star Wars moments that have ever come out, in my opinion. Like, they're yeah. so good. That, they're really good as far as, um, straightforward storytelling and keeping you on the edge of your seat mm-hmm. and um, having a lot of action but having mm-hmm. the story fill it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, I think it's a, tr- it's Purposeful either a trilogy. Action. I know, right? Yes. Yeah. It's either a trilogy or a duology but it's um, the the couple of episodes about Clone 99. Yeah. Which are Clearer, you know, clear story, a little bit cookie cutter, but sweet God, if you want to cry on your couch, watch those episodes. It's beautifully handled. And it's, again, just highlighting the fact that these clones are, they're they're not complete cookie cutters. They've got their own personalities, their own histories, their Their own own haircuts. Their own haircuts. (laughs) Their own tattoos. (laughs) R.I.P. size. Even even their own, like, like, uh, what was it? Hard case. He he said the little thing. They said my my tank had a leak on it. They said it's why I'm so neurotic. Like, it's like such a a tiny little thing, but like. Oh, I love I love it so much. And then there's also like if you like the dark side stuff, like the Night Sisters trilogy is also yeah. freaking amazing. Oh, I love that. And then storyline. Like everything that uh, I mean, you know Darth Maul comes back, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh it's good. Spoilers <laughs> spoilers Darth Maul comes back. Um so in like the coolest story. most twisted way too. I know. Like it's good. Oh my god. But like everything that happens after after he comes back and after everything happens with his initial landing with Savage and when we go into um, what legitimately ties into Solo, like uh, oh my, like all of the stuff with the, the crime underworld and his like rise with Mandalore, like oh my god, I love <laughs> yeah. that stuff. All right, all right, you've convinced me. You've dude, <laughs> you've got to watch. You've yeah. got to watch. Well, I, w- I will. Here, I will now. Here's a tip though: when you go to watch it, it's on Netflix. Pull up a guide online because they're not listed chronologically on Netflix, mm. and you will be very confused because that happened to me. It's well, really. Mm-hmm. It's well, uh, season one and two are like kind of chronological a little bit, but then season three hits and they start to do time jumping. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So it helps to have a guide with yeah. you. Oh, I wonder. I wonder if that has always been the case because I just watched them, you know, episode after episode. But that was also a couple, a few years ago at this point. Um, I know that for me, uh, like I watched them and like I was able to piece together, like okay, well this is happening here, okay this is happening here. But it's it it like I also have been binge watching them so much that like yeah. I, but yeah, it's yeah having the guide is useful because I think season three episodes one two and three are like the first like the earliest yeah. that happened and the, the chronology yeah oh, it jumps around weird. a lot it's because of the, it's the clone 99 stuff is the yeah. some of the first stuff that happens oh yeah. interesting yeah. Huh. as far as like episodes that were originally released no 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 or? in terms of the timeline of the stories yeah okay okay that's why i was confused because i was like wait so netflix just yeah. muddled up the release dates of these things and no. so they're out of order no, no you're right it, things do jump around because you're on so many planets because mm-hmm. you can because you're in a galaxy right yeah yeah and some of the like the other thing that i thought that uh, the clone wars did really well is like scale 
Yeah. Like it, uh, in so many of the movies, it's just like, look at all this action. There's so many things. It's a lot. It's so dense. It's so dense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like in like uh, they like they mirrored like in episode four Star Wars. There's that one that we counted 30 level rebel ships. That's like, OK, we have 30 ships. We don't see 30 pilots, but we kind of like we only see like what? 10, I think throughout the course of the movie. In this, like, you see squads, and you see exactly how many, like, you see the numbers, and you can tell, like, what they, inca- like, you feel like you understand the size of the conflicts really, really effectively. Mm-hmm. They're really good at bringing the scale back and forth from large to small. So you've yes. got, like, the overarching battle and the people who are in the ships above it watching everything happen tactically, and then mm. you've got the, the actual clones on the ground and seeing their individual stories of what the battle is. And having that juxtaposition is fascinating. It's kind of like what they did in, um, or has the same feeling for me as Rogue One, mm. when they're on the Death Star watching the destruction on Jakku and going, "Oh, this is beautiful," or not Jakku, but um, Jeddah, yeah. and going, "This, you know, it's beautiful. This crazy explosion is beautiful from the air, yeah. from space, but on the ground, it's this horrible, horrible destruction." And that kind of juxtaposition of that of, of the destruction is amazing to me. Yeah. Oh no, that was a, oh, such yeah. a good moment. And Clone Wars ha- has a certain amount of that too. Yeah. What funny story about Rogue One? Yeah. Um, when my sister, me and my dad and my sister went to see it, and she's seen all the movies and mm-hmm. stuff, but she didn't know going in that it was a suicide mission. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> we get to the end, and it, and she's like, "That's it?" And we're like, "Yeah." And she's like, "What do you?" Yeah, they all died. It was like, yeah, well, it was a suicide mission. What? I didn't. When did that happen? When was that information divulged? It, like three movies ago. Yeah, nineteen seventy-nine. Yeah. She's very upset, and so um, she, she uh, on a little bit of a tangent, she read the plot of Infinity Wars before she went to see it because she oh. she knew she didn't want to see it with us and then have the same embarrassment happen. <laughs> oh, see, I had that embarrassment because I knew nothing about it, and so I got to the end of it, and I'm just like. Sopping wet in my own tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What just no? Why? But at the same time, being like, oh god, that hurts. But I know Black Panther has a sequel coming out. So. <laughs> I, that was there. I was like, hold on a second. Spider-Man: Homecoming was one of the better yeah. movies that's yeah. come out. Yeah. They're not leaving it. This like, way. There's a certain number of dollar signs accompanying all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all seen right? uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp yet? Yes. I have. Okay. Not yet. Oh, okay. Okay. It, things are moving. Things are, things are moving things and are shaking. Moving. So um, <laughs> I do want to say I I think I called it. I have to I have to re-listen. I called it in our summer thing that what the first what I wanted the first post credit scene to be, and I was correct. <laughs> I I think you did call that I actually, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I called that um that Ant Man Tech was going to be like pivotal. Yes. In, okay. Yes, you did. In doing that stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait for Brie Larson to kick all sorts of ass and we'll yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we veered away from the Star Wars. <laughs> we, yes, yeah. We we were. <laughs> this is geek it's XP. Not, it's not a podcast unless you go off on a tangent every right. once in a while. You know, yeah. if, if only we had some sort of, uh, you know, uh, scheduling program. <laughs> wow, that's Inception. This is, <laughs> this is so meta. <laughs> Drag and drop. But... But this episode is coming out before the coding episode. <gasps> you bum, bum, bum. Time travel shenanigans. It'll solve Woo! all your problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <But> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> getting, getting, getting back to real, real serious Star Wars stuff, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having trouble keeping a straight face. Right we, <laughs> we promise that joke will pay off later. <laughs> 
Um, so did you? Have no, something? please, please. Something I had a theory about from uh, the Clone Wars TV show that I really wanted to see come to fruition is um, Ray's parentage. Um, my theory about Ray's parentage before they blew that out of the water in the movie <laughs> was that she was Obi Wan and the Duchess of Mandalore's yes. granddaughter. Yes! yes, and then they just, just like, no, you're just some rando's but, daughter. <laughs> I think but that's a lie. I right? think it's a. I think it's a lie. I hope it is because I think that'd be way cooler. <laughs> but like, I mean, just like, I, like I saw your brain. You saw some. I saw yours. This is in for, like it's like it, it was a perfect teardown technique. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a manipulator. He's trying to bring this powerful Force user that literally has his father's or a grandfather's lightsaber like I, I do not think that her parentage is the is drunk yeah, I will make boring. I will make a point of order on that though because that she could only be their daughter if Obi-Wan had granddaughter granddaughter it would have to be granddaughter yes okay yeah. I thought you said daughter and I was like ah, nah timelines work with that <laughs> yeah granddaughter granddaughter <laughs> but yes that would especially I mean she's got the same accent she does. I mean clearly <laughs> she has to be a clearly Kenobi. accents right? are are innate and you were born with yep. them and are not learned <laughs> it's not regional at all <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely not a Jakku accent. Nobody else has it. That yeah. is true. That is yeah. true. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Could you, could you imagine the weird dumpy credits guy? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, Simon Come Pegg. Get your credits. <laughs> like this well, but they could. Yes. They could because it's played by Simon Pegg, so it they is. could. <laughs> yes, yeah, I give you fair. one quarter portion. <laughs> Except you'd have to have like the slight Scottish yeah. bit to it. As give well. you one quarter portion. I give you yeah, one exactly. quarter portion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hold someone, on. someone, please, whoever, anyone who's listening to this, will you please like put together some type of YouTube video redubbing that character, please, yes, just use, for me. Use use the uh, the blood and ice cream stuff for it. Oh my god! Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the droid. I'll buy it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that just regional dialect of Jakku right there, yep. right, yeah. th- right there, right mm-hmm. there. Parenting mm-hmm. solved there. Done. Now, I it's uh, for the Clone War viewers. I will say it, it's kind of they would have to do a, a hidden pregnancy storyline for I it think, to work. I think that is totally viable because she's she's like a duchess, she's right? Duchess. And, and Obi Wan. If it's old school like nobility, you go away to the country for nine months and you right. come back skinny. That is true. Yep. And <laughs> and Obi Wan did say, I mean, they had the big long thing where he's like, had you asked, I would have left the Jedi Order for you. Like mm-hmm. they had all that and oh my God, I wanted so I wanted so bad. Well, I mean, let's he would have left the Jedi Order for her, but they I mean they boned. Like, oh, they sure. totally both. There, there was a lot of that. The Jedi Order is against commitment, yes. not intercourse. <laughs> One night stands, totally okay. I was going to say, the Jedi Order says you have to rid yourselves of commitments. Nobody's yep. saying that you can't go get some hanky-panky. <laughs> no emotional investment unless it's into the Force. But you, is it, you could argue that um, pregnancy and having a child is a pretty major commitment. Just use Force condoms, dude. Force condoms. <laughs> Okay, but no. Okay, now we're starting to get into the weird thing of like Anakin's background too, because apparently you can have force sex and you yes. can impregnate somebody with the force. Yes. So maybe I mean I don't know. I mean there would be a lot more Jedi if that were the case. I mean the Jedi were created by a dude first of all, so let's just remember that that's the case. Like no commitment, but you know. Um, second of all, um, it I, I always likened it to like um, like any sort of like a, a strict Catholic church. They're like no marriage. And yeah, you, yeah, you really shouldn't shouldn't have sex, but you know, it's like I, I liken it like that. It's like the the force is your study. You're doing the force. You're a monk. You're doing all of this, and that's what your commitment and your ideology should be. I think I think this is a rich dramatic vein to mine 
actually, is if Obi-Wan does have that story because his greatest failing was losing Anakin to that, yeah, you know? And so I just the, the internal conflict that could be explored with Obi-Wan facing decisions of a similar nature, I think would make for an excellent, excellent story. Yeah. Kind of, it's on that mythic level. It, it harkens back to the great tragedies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, there was a list that I saw one time that like everything that Anakin failed at, Obi-Wan succeeded at. Like he, Oof. he, Obi-Wan witnessed, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for Steven, but Obi-Wan witnessed uh, a, somebody that he loved die in his arms. He saw his master die before him, before his eyes. Like he saw everything that turned Anakin slowly over time but he maintained his integrity and his, like, who he was. So I don't know. Obi-Wan is far and away the best Jedi. Just, I'm going to throw that out there. (laughs) I grew up and I wanted to become him. It's Hmm. Ewan McGregor, so that's probably a little part of it. Like, (laughs) Are there any uh, plot points uh, or theories about what the Obi-Wan movie would even be? I'm, there, I mean, there are theories all right. over the place. The well, one, if you had like a wish list of what you m- want to see. My mm. personal my personal thing that I, I, I don't know if they do, but I really want them to do it. Um, there's a, a picture online, I've mentioned it before, um, of this like st- spotlight on Obi-Wan over these like wanted posters that have of Jedi Masters with X's over them. Mm. And he just looks like torn down. You can see like his robe is ripping and he's just, he's got like a defensive lightsaber and it looks like he's being chased by the Empire. And I want the Obi-Wan movie to be that messy time period where the, the, it's still a fledgling empire. Order 66 is still like, like they're trying to make sure they track down the last of them. And he's still trying to make sure that Luke Skywalker remains unfound. Yeah. Because if we put it in a similar time frame of like solo, which I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a big call right here. I think the Obi-Wan movie is going to tie into the solo stuff. I mean, that would make I think that's sense, what they're going to do. Um, uh, maybe not, but that's what I think they're going to end up doing. I think they're going to just make these Star Wars stories kind of go like, it's just, you know, we'll just do what we want. Um, regardless, that's mm-hmm. what I want. I want it to be an almost like unforgiven feeling thing, uh, like uh, the old movie with Clint Eastwood, where mm-hmm. it's like he's, he's a good person that just over time is just getting worn down and worn down to the point where, yeah, he's just this old hermit who's just like tired. <laughs> yeah. And jaded enough to be tired and jaded enough to be manipulative as well. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so, I mean, the first time watching Star Wars as like a six-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Obi-Wan's so nice and he yeah. looks like my grandfather, therefore I like him. <laughs> but um, seeing it again as many times as I have as yeah. an adult, every time where he's like, well, you must do what you think is right, of course. Every time I'm like, mm, that was, mm, you're twisting things. <laughs> you're twisting things. I'm on to you. Yeah, right. I knew your doing. father. Yeah. <laughs> he was Just good. dangle that carrot in front of him. All he right. Was, he was a <laughs> best fighter pilot in the uh, best fighter pilot in the galaxy <laughs> and a good friend. It's like, was good, he? Really? Good friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen a YouTube dub. It's one of my favorite things. And he was a good friend. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you so were supposed good. to bring balance to the force, not destroy it. Oh yeah. There's also a beautiful edit of like that scene where they edit in all kinds of stuff from the prequel trilogy. Oh, oh it hurts. I've seen that. It yeah, hurts. it does hurt. It hurts oh. your soul. Oh my god. Yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think that, yeah. But no, I know that this is a super long answer to your question, but yeah, I think the wish list is that it's just like, I mean, he's the perfect the age. 
to make it some sort of interim during episode between episode three and four when the Empire's still like, eh, I think that we, we have Jedi we need to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just thought about with Ray's parentage. I was thinking about how I end up always having to watch episode three because I have a very hard time with episode three. I have a hard time with all of the prequels. Um, Why would that be? <laughs> it's not like, the, I mean, the writing is so stellar and like the direction is amazing. Oh God, I can't, I can't. Um, <laughs> I don't so, like but, sand. <laughs> it gets, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. Um, but not like here. Yeah, yeah. So, and then she marries so him. Gross. I just, but um, the way that a friend clued me into watching episodes two and three of the prequels uh, was to watch it as though Obi-Wan is having an affair with Padme. Um, which, if you watch episode three with that in the back of your mind, it works and it's hysterical. Because <laughs> everything Anakin says, he's like, Obi-Wan was just here, wasn't he? She was like, well, he just left. Like, there's all of this stuff. <laughs> and, and so I was just thinking, oh, well, if you want to go down that road, I mean, maybe Ray's parentage is like an Obi-Wan Padme thing. Hmm. Which could be, which is really bizarre and That's incestuous weird. and twisty, but yeah. I, think, I don't know. I think the whole Padme Anakin relationship is weird from the outset because she's like a teenager when he's a t- nine or ten. Yeah. I don't Not know. even. He's like eight. Year, there's like a, there's it's a six weird. year age difference, and for whatever reason, she yeah. looks at this eight year old and is like, "You, you are the one whose children I shall bear." Like, Lesbo <laughs> real though. Like in episode one. Yeah, I take that back. Oh. No, <laughs> let's finish this thought. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna, try, I was gonna try so hard. Nope, I, I it's, it, it, I, I, I still have just a, a nostalgic love of Episode One mm-hmm. because it came out when I was like eight, eight, nine. I can remember for sure. And it, uh, what's his name? Anakin was eight, nine. Oh, sure. Like, I mean, it, it's it's why, you know, having relatable characters in movies is so important. I, like, latched on and just, like, I, I never let go of, you know, loving the, that movie. Yes, Jar Jar is, is horrible, and he's a mar on the Star Wars galaxy. Yes, the writing is not good, but the seeds of the prequels that George Lucas wanted to write are there. Yeah. And... If you see them and you fall, and even if you fill in a couple of your own gaps, it's it it could have been so much better if people knew how to say no to George Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> it's it, like yeah, it's kind of weird that like this fourteen year old is like, well, you're an eight year old and you're kind of cute, especially because Obi Wan is right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ewan McGregor is was smoking right in that movie. Oh, that that little rat tail. <laughs> I was the one you you got lashed on to Anakin because of the age. I was desperately in love with Ewan McGregor as a result of that movie. I was desperately. I wanted to. I, oh. I, like I said, I wanted to be him. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to grow up to become him. And I did not. I do not have nearly as good hair, nor the amazing accent, mm. or anything nearly mm. as awesome as him. But or that winning smile. I know. I'm a straight mm. man, and I want this man. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I I always watch episode one where I hit play and I watch the you know the beginning through when they they leave uh, Naboo from all that action. It's like yeah, that's fun. And then they land on Tatooine and I skip for a while until the pod race. And I'm like, yay, Brilliant. pod race, yay! The pod race is done and then I skip for a while. And then <laughs> they come back to Naboo and the fight happens. And it's a great fucking movie that you're, way. You're skipping all the plot. I love it. I love it. Not all the plot, <laughs> just the stuff that makes the plot last longer than it needs. Mm. Speaking th- as an eight-year-old boy, also pod racing is awesome. Okay, the pod racing was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah, I yeah. always loved that. That was, and I mean, I just the the interplay of like Sebulba with Anakin and yeah. like the real 
really horrible shit that all of those people do to each other. Which yeah. then, like watching NASCAR, I'm like, well, that's not far off. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it's really well done. Yeah. But it's also like it's the the um it, one of the things that makes Star Wars so lovable is like it gleefully lives in this weird 1970s version of the future. And one oh, of the yeah. one of the it, it, like it always brings this archaic feel to the future. And one of the great things was the pod race was like a chariot race. Like, yeah. it's yeah. these, you know, two double engines with like a chariot in the back. Like, it, it, it's it's not something we had like really seen in a sci-fi setting before. It, it, it just feels so like... It's Ben-Hur. It's Ben-Hur, <laughs> yeah. yes. It, it it had a tone completely of its own. Even if just, even if just aesthetic, it like... It, it it was its own thing. That's one of the wonderful charms of Star Wars is that it's always been analog. Like I've I, yeah. over the last year, I have watched an enormous amount of Star Trek. Finally, finally starting to catch up in that fandom um, because I never got into it. We're not talking about Star Trek, Molly. Well, but the comp- the comparison <laughs> know, know, though of the fact that everything in Star Trek is. You know, the, as technology has grown for us in this world, we've been leaning more toward the Star Trek side. And with Star Wars, it's like you would be, like I would believe that there are analog clocks on the Star Destroyers. Yeah, I would oh, believe yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it never goes the realm of to the realm of like the iPhone or or yeah. anything like that. And like they have these like handheld devices, but like they're very like most of the time very utilitarian. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they f- they feel like it has weight and size, and like even when it is more like chic, it's like a one purpose thing. Like this is the TV we will like the this is we will watch the pod race on this TV. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like this is my comlink. I can talk to one person, technically not that far away from me, with this one little comlink on my palm. Yeah. That's it. Like it's it's everything has like one purpose and one point. And, and it's not- it, well, and uh, to go in Rogue One, if you wanted to transmit large amounts of data. You know, through the air, you have to have this giant, like, <laughs> yes. relay satellite. Oh, and and of it's course, like, it's, it's a big thing to make yeah. that happen. Oh, the it's last like, time I watched it, whoever I was watching it with was like, who knocked it out of joint in the first place? Because she has to, like, rejigger it and, like, move yeah. it around yeah. to get it realigned. And my friend was like, but how did it get misaligned in the first place? Like, did someone just get drunk and go up there and was just, like, pushing it around, you know, hitting buttons? Like, and I was like, no, I feel like this is the Star Wars equivalent of like an original Nintendo where you have to like take the cartridge out, blow in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing. I mean, like if it hasn't been used, maybe they haven't been transmitting data. Maybe like over time, it's just the system just kind of like starts to sag. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's yeah. so perfect that like, it, I mean, it's it's a nice little like bridge between that world and our world that there's always something fucked up with IT. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't yeah. just do the thing. You have to like find the manual, download iTunes, like do all that stuff. Where a Star Trek feels very idyllic, Star Wars feels lived in. Yeah, yes. you know, it feels. I don't know. There's a certain sense of reality yeah. to to all of the fantastical sci-fi stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, well, especially because it's unlike. I mean, Star Trek is solidly in the future. Yeah. And Star Wars is a long time ago mm-hmm. in a galaxy far, far away. True. So, like having that antiquity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's and I mean it, it's established so early in in that it is like this old that it's old. And I mean, it's also hard. Everything like we have to. You're gonna jump into hyperspace. Well, the computer is doing some shit, and uh, I got to double check in here. We're gonna flip some more switches. Yep. We have to wait because the, <laughs> we're not gonna be able to go right away. But we're gonna go to light speed of it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, like it's like go to warp five, go to warp seven. It's make yep. it show. Yes. Yeah, come. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> computer. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to bust out a flute now. Yes, you do. Yes, yes. 
Um, but no, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And I mean, the, uh, 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 I know you, you haven't seen Solo. No. You have. I have. One of the things that I loved about the, um, the, the Kessel run mm-hmm. that mm. I didn't want to see, I was vehemently against the fact they were putting it in the movie and I was very upset about it, but I loved the very real computer moment of it's looking, it's calculate, like the okay all we can do now is hope that something happens yeah like we it was just i I loved it so much and i also love that it's a it is a total retcon yeah but it's a total but it works it works so hard when c-3po says i don't know where your ship learned to talk but it's the most peculiar dialect (laughs) i love it yeah it oh man yeah, uh, uh, spoilers. They do the it's, Kessel Run. No, I figured. Yeah, I, you can't. I um, figure you can't do a movie about Han Solo without including that. So like, uh, they also can't. come up with a very good reason why why he says that it's done in twelve parsecs. Yeah, yes. um, you you'll be very pleased. Yes, like, I have. Like, yeah. I have my theories about that, mostly having to do with me as like a car driver, like finding my shortcuts to get to the same destination. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say one other thing. I don't remember what it was now. Oh, well. Yeah. We'll just kind of let the it. Force. Use the force. Use the force, you know. Um, it was about the castle run. I, somebody say something else while I think. I mean, I can say something about the castle run, which might be the same theory that you had of why he says it's done in 12 seconds or parsecs or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where when he says that to a potential client, if they call him out on the misinformation, then he knows that, yep, I can't fool uh. you. That's in the original script. I want to I, I, really? I want to point that in episode four, it's and you can see it. it, it it's visible on screen. Mm-hmm. Is he says you're looking at the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs? And Obi Wan's face, if you look at him instead of Luke, Obi Wan goes, <laughs> and then he gives this total like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, you're so right. And like, yeah. You're so right. He. This wasn't like a. Yeah. It, it, it's. I think he he keeps saying it. Like I. I love that. Like originally it was like a, it's his bluff. It's his. It's his. You know, testing barometer. But I also love that now that he actually did it. It's like, a, who's, who believes me? Who, who's going <laughs> to believe this? Like, it's a half brag, half bargaining chip, half like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like partly a test. And then there's there's an actual... Uh, I don't know if I want to spoil this for you right now. It's okay. Because it's a cool moment in the film. So yeah. I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, but there's yeah. an actual, like, physical reason yeah. why they used a measure of distance and Word. not time. Yes. So, um, yeah. 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 You'll, You'll see. Uh, Solo is good. Go see it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! It feels so much yeah. like Star Wars. It's. Mm-hmm. It was a breath of fresh air after everything that had happened with Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Like especially culturally, like everything. Like there was a that uh, what was it five months where like Last Jedi came out, all of the trolls started doing everything mm-hmm. like being horrible fucking humans, like all mm-hmm. of like the redo it, it's terrible, like the the fucking oh, yeah. the fucking recut where somebody like made it like a. a, a I think it ended up being like a 90 minute supercut where like they almost they cut out Holdo's character. They made and I quote from their description made Ray look more helpless. Like it was Ugh. just mm. this disgusting recut. I haven't seen it, but there were people that were like heralding it as this amazing thing. Like all of the bigotry that was going on going into the theater and watching Solo. 
Mm. It was just amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, not having seen it, I don't have any particular basis for this, but I will say that I was a little bit thrown by the casting, by how famous the people were that they were choosing to put in it. Like, the yeah. fact that the, as soon as I saw Amelia Clark's face in the trailer, I was like, oh, you just lost me. She's been Daenerys Targaryen so long, and I know that's, like, a cheap trick, especially for me as an actor, like, but at the same time, it's like, I am going to be taken out of this by the fact that I'm too familiar with this person. Can I just say that I wasn't? That's yeah, good. I, I wasn't neither either. was I. But it was part yeah, of why I didn't want to go see it because I was like, I I have too much knowledge of her and Woody Harrelson already mm. that this I'm I'm going to have a hard time believing. I feel like I'm going to have a hard time believing these characters. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I I, 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 I I just like to say Alden Ehrenreich. Um, the trailers did him little justice. Oh, um, that's good. So yeah, he. He really gets the character. He he embodies the essence of Han Solo. Yeah. And like Hooray. I I've loved him since I saw him in Hail Caesar. Like he's definitely on my watch list of like I can't wait to see where his career goes because I think he's supremely talented. And a cutie. And <laughs> cute as a button. Um but yeah, he I, I think that's pro that was one of my major issues before mm-hmm. seeing Solo was like this guy just doesn't look or feel like Han Solo, and then yeah. you actually see him in the movie, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And he does yeah. more than Miles Teller. It just clicks. Oh my god! It's what, there. There's also several shots like, fired. Like I went to college <laughs> with him. I can say that. <laughs> um, Love the guy. Just not. He's not quite Han Solo to me. <laughs> um, Miles Teller. Yeah. You said okay. Um, so I, I, I'm never gonna forget it because like you you look at him like in all of the promo. It's like you said, and it's like you don't look like Han Solo. And it, yeah. it's so disappointing. But then in the movie, there are several moments where you just where my brain literally went, "Oh, yes, you are." And it's, <laughs> some of it is just a simple visual smirk. Some I was gonna say is, the smirk better be there. Oh, like, he, he, he nails it. <laughs> he's got, he's a got smirk the smirk on down. <laughs> he, it's there's just so many tiny little moments where you're like, I know why you were cast. I get, uh-huh. I, I see exactly why you were cast now. This is great. Gotcha. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's like a little, like they also young it up, like as they need to, like he's got a little bit of more boyishness to him, just like, yeah. uh, just like Donald Glover does as Lando, mm. who, by the way, Fabulous. the moment that man came on screen, I was just like, yes, take me! <laughs> so good. And again, I'm a complete, like I'm a completely heterosexual man, but looking at him, mm. it was like, you're fucking Lando Calrissian in every way, shape and form. I want to cuddle you so fucking hard, man. <laughs> he is just the personification of swagger. So much fucking swagger. Yeah, no, swagger. there'd be more than cuddling. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much more than cuddling. <laughs> for, for me, that's all That's all I want from mm. him. Like, god damn, I want to be his best friend. I want to go out for drinks with him. Like, god damn it, he's... Oh, no, no, no. Get, don't get me wrong. I thought I, there would be cuddling, and then I yeah. would take the cape. Yes, I'm aware. Yeah. That's what would happen. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah, the cape is mine. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to love Solo because the capes. Mm, the capes. <laughs> Some even verge on being cloaks. Oh and, yes. and they are fabulous. Dare, oh, heaven. dare we so say. So fabulous. <laughs> well, then. Yes. Well, yeah. You literally go into his closet, and there's it's beautiful. <laughs> of course it is. It's a but I hope it's a gigantic like, walk-in closet with multiple <laughs> mirrors. Like, you, just go watch Solo. Just go see, please. You just need do to see it. Solo. You need to. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> I'll watch Clone Wars. You Done. watch Solo. Agreed. All right, so we all have our homework, all right? We do. Yes, <laughs> we do. Yes. Um, so I, I have to end things. We've been going for like an hour, actually. Oh, I lost track of seriously? time. Yeah, I Holy lost track smokes. of time. Um, but you know, this has been so so fun, and I love, love, love that you all were here to talk with me about Star Wars today. Thank you so much. Um, uh, as always, Stephen, it's a pleasure. 
Thank you, sir, as always. Worldwide Blonde Tori, thank you again. Anytime. And she who must not be nicknamed, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. All right, we will see you guys next week for your next dose of EXP. <laughs> <laughs>